Hey, this is Randy Robinson, and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it. All right, we are in the middle of a series on the subject of breakthrough. It's also our theme for the year. And I hope that you're embracing this word for your individual lives and for your families. Because yes, I believe God is going to break through in our midst corporately. Uh, More importantly, I believe that the Lord of the breakthrough is going to show up in our lives personally. And when we experience breakthrough in our personal lives, it will have no other choice but to spill over into our corporate gatherings. It will spill over into our schools, our workplaces, our finances, and our relationships. And so while I'm excited about what's happening in our midst when we gather, I'm more excited about what God is about to do in all of us individually. Uh, Now, I'm not going to recap the whole series today. If you've missed any weeks, I'd encourage you to catch up on YouTube or the podcast. Last week, we talked about preparing for breakthrough. And this week will be an extension of that same concept. Now, one of the recurring themes of this series from really beginning to end has been receiving a clear word from God before the breakthrough. Before David went into battle, he inquired of the Lord. When the Philistines came against David, he asked God, we read this in the first few weeks, should I attack my enemies? Should I attack the Philistines? Will you give them into my hands? Before Joshua attacked the city of Jericho, he received a word from the Lord. And God was very specific in his direction to Joshua. He told him exactly where their territory would be. He laid out their boundaries in advance. But in both of these scenarios that we've looked at, God spoke first and then breakthrough followed. I want to reiterate a couple of practical ideas about hearing the voice of God. Because breakthrough is predicated on listening and obeying what God or when God speaks. David went to the stronghold when his enemies advanced against him. We need a stronghold. We need a strong tower to run into as is described in the book of Proverbs. We need a place where we can get away and be still before God. And this will vary from person to person and from season to season. For parents, especially moms of small children... Right, your place might literally be the bathroom. I mean, how many ever have ever done that? You go to the bathroom just to escape. It might be sitting in the car in the driveway for five minutes before coming inside to all of the routine and chaos. A couple of times I've walked outside to check the mail. I didn't know Katie was there. She was taking a nap in the car. <laughs> just kidding. She's never done that. Uh, but I have walked out. And I was like, what are you doing? She's like, I just need a minute. <laughs> But there are times, especially as parents of young kids, you just need a moment of silence. Look, this is not a sign of weakness. This is, not a, this, is, this is a sign of emotional and spiritual maturity when we're able to recognize our need to slow down for a minute to be with our Creator. And if I could offer some practical, simple advice to those out there with children or couples. Look, we need to recognize when our spouse needs a break. Right. And when you know they're on the verge of breaking down, it might not be the time to call out how grumpy they're being to everyone. It might be a better idea to say, hey, why don't you go grab some coffee and I'll give the kids a bath tonight? 
Hey, don't worry about cooking dinner. Let's order pizza. Why don't you go to the gym and I'll watch the kids for a little while. Katie will sometimes say to me, why don't you go to the movies tonight and just get some alone time? I'm not sure if she wants some, me to get alone time or if she's just tired of me. I'm not sure. <laughs> but we recognize when each other are at that breaking point and we're like, hey, let me help in this area. Pick up the slack. Again, our space to hear from God will vary from person to person and season to season. I've had God speak to me at the movies. I've felt God's presence through a song or a podcast. I've sensed God speaking at dance recitals or just driving down the road. God is always speaking. The problem is, is we're not always listening. Right? We often ask God to reveal his presence to us. And I sometimes wonder if that prayer is backwards theologically. I prayed that prayer hundreds of times, if not thousands. I prayed it today again, just out of default and out of habit. But as I mature in my faith, I'm coming to realize he's already manifested his presence. So more often than not, what I need to pray is, God, make me aware of your presence. Increase my awareness. God, help me to sense you. Help me to see what you're doing. Help me to know what you're saying. Help me, God, to know and see what you're doing so I can get in alignment with that and stop doing my own agenda. God, I know you're here. I know you're already moving. He is doing something. He's doing something right now. That's why I love that song. It's our moment. It's just saying, God, show up. God, show up. He's already here. God, let me see you. Open my eyes so I can see you. It's the old example of the radio. It's always broadcasting. right? Country music is playing right now on 93.7. Talk radio is broadcasting right now on 97.3. Christian music is playing right now on the Joy FM. And the reason we don't hear it is because we're not tuned in currently to the frequency. We're not aware of the songs that are being played or the words that are being spoken because instead of being tuned in for the moment, we've tuned out. And some of us are missing the voice of God simply because we've tuned out. It's time for us to become aware of his presence and all of his voice that's speaking, the things that he's saying all around us. And when we talk about hearing the voice of God or getting a word from God, I think that we've unintentionally turned it into something mystical or ethereal. Or We place high value on people who seem to speak prophetically, people who speak on behalf of God, people who say things like, God told me to tell you X, Y, or Z. People with platforms and influence that invoke the name of God when they speak. And listen, I believe in the prophetic voice. I believe the prophetic gift is alive and well. God still speaks to us through his people. But many of us are seeking a prophetic word from someone while simultaneously ignoring God's written word. Look, I get it. We're busy people. There's always something to do, somewhere to be, a task that needs completion, right? Sometimes we just don't have time. Look, I don't know how Android phones work, but on my iPhone, there's a thing called screen time. And when I say I don't have time, my screen time would probably say different. Again, I get it. By the time I get a moment to sit down, I just want to veg out. I just I don't want to think about anything. I don't want to make any decisions. I just want to relax. I want to decompress. But I wonder how much of God's voice am I missing simply because I'm not tuned into his frequency? How much of his presence are we missing simply because we're unaware that he's there? That was a long recap. Breakthrough requires a word from God. And a word from God requires intentionality. It will, requ- it will require an awareness of his presence. And it will, re- it will require the opening 
of Scripture. Now, I want to go back to the Old Testament book of Joshua, which we spent some time in last week. Joshua is about to lead the Israelite nation into the promised land. But before the battle, they have to cross over the Jordan River. And remember, the river is at flood stage and the waters are overflowing its banks. But God is about to stop the water from flowing so that more than a million people can walk across on the river bank on dry land or on the riverbed on dry land. These are the instructions from Joshua to the people in Joshua chapter 3. Verse 5 says this, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Now what does that mean, to consecrate ourselves? What does the word consecrate mean? It means to set apart or to sanctify, to prepare or dedicate, to be hallowed, to be sanctified, to be holy, to be separate. It appears abundantly clear, though, that Christ follow, as Christ followers, we have lost our desire to be separate. We've lost our desire to be different. Old timers might refer to it as holiness. Holiness was once and still is in some circles gauged by how you dressed or wore your hair. And while this is a part of holiness, it's really more about the condition of our heart. If you've been around any time at all, you know I don't usually address things that are happening in culture or on the name or on the news. But it seems appropriate since we're talking about consecration and holiness that we at least mention the Grammys. The culture and the world we're living in is increasingly unholy, no pun intended. And the pull for Christ followers to be like and to accept everything that an unholy culture deems acceptable is growing stronger and stronger. I'm not sure if you're aware, but tonight is the Super Bowl. I came across this post by a friend of mine and and Brandon, I wanted to read it to you. That way it be his words, not mine. Get ready. The annual time when Christians everywhere are shocked, horrified, and appalled over the Super Bowl halftime show is here. And then complain to one another on social media is only days away. Sorry, I read that incorrectly. Uh, let, me, let me start all over. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> The annual time when Christians everywhere are shocked, horrified, and appalled over the Super Bowl halftime show and then complain to one another on social media is only days away. So this is your annual reminder that you can just turn it off. It will save you the drama and make a bigger difference. Watching it and then complaining about it, you just uh, and complain about what you just willingly watched is your own fault. That's not holiness, that's hypocrisy. Psalm 101.3, I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. The problem is not that the world is acting like the world. It's not that sinners participate in sinful behavior. The problem is that professing Christ followers are acting like the world and professing Christ followers are participating in sinful behavior. I'm trying to choose my words carefully. It's not my intent to pit Christians against the world or Christians against non-Christians. I mean, the great first century missionary Paul was clear that our fight is not against people. We're fighting a spiritual battle. But in an environment like this, where the majority in attendance are professing Christians, 
It becomes easy for us to look down on others because they have a public platform and their sin is public while ignoring the sin in our own lives. Jesus referred to this as trying to remove a splinter or a speck from your, um, from your brother's eye while simultaneously ignoring the log or telephone pole in your own eye. And so when I talk about sin, it's from a place of humility. It's from a place of acknowledging my own sin, understanding that we're all sinners and we need the grace of God. Quoting again from the Apostle Paul, though, 1 Corinthians 10, 12, it says, So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. And we're talking about consecration. We're talking about being separate or holy. And again, the problem is not that sinners participate and promote sinful behavior. It's when Christ followers participate in and enjoy the same sin. The lines are getting exceedingly blurred and confusing. Our desire shouldn't be to get as close to the line as possible without crossing it. Our desire should be to stay as far away as possible. Now, my encouragement to us is to reflect and see what lines in our lives are blurred. Where is there not a clear distinction in my walk with Christ and those outside of the faith? What is it in my life that sets me apart. And maybe this feels a bit more like meddling than preaching. But we need to inventory what we're watching. We need to inventory what we're listening to. We need to inventory how and what we're eating. What we're drinking. What we're posting. Dare I say what we're wearing. And I know this has the potential to sit very heavy. It's never my intent to beat us up. So while this isn't directed at any person in particular that I know of in this room, I know that it would do all of us some good to evaluate the consecration level of our lives. Joshua 3.5 told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. We all love the Lord is about to do amazing things among you part. We love that you're about to go into your promised land part. We love the breakthrough part. But Joshua says, before you do anything else, prepare yourself, dedicate yourself, sanctify and separate yourself, consecrate your life. Amen. I came across this quote. I don't know who it's from, but it says the will to see God work is not as important as the will to prepare to see God work. In other words, we all want to see God move. No one would Disagree with that. We all want to see breakthrough, but that's not as important as committing to preparing for the breakthrough. Amen. A lot of times our consecration is selective. Anybody ever suffer from selective consecration? What I mean by that is I'll consecrate myself long enough to get God to do what I need him to do in my life. And then I'll go back to what I was doing. Look, this isn't a consecrate yourself to get God what you want him to do for you moment. That's not consecration. That's selfishness. Oh, God, I wish for this or I need you to do this. So I'll consecrate myself so that you'll do it for me. Listen, we have to distance ourselves from consumer Christianity. Like we've said it many times. We'll probably say it many more times. But God is not a genie in a bottle. And when we consecrate ourselves... What we're doing is we're setting our lives, our desires, our will aside and submitting to the will of the Father. 
Consecrating ourselves puts us in alignment with the plan that God has already established for our lives. It puts us in a position to possess the boundaries that he's already laid out for us, which we talked about last week. At the end of Joshua chapter 3 into chapter 4, we touched on this last week briefly, the Israelites cross over the Jordan River. And when the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant stepped into the river, the river stood up in a heap on one end and it stopped flowing and the Israelites walked across on dry land. So God has once again done the impossible. He's performed great miracles on behalf of Israel, which leads us back to where we left off last week, Joshua chapter 5. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all of the Canaanite kings Along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over. Their hearts melted in fear and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. See, God is on their side. Their enemies are terrified and no longer even want to fight them. Joshua and the Israelites are now physically, literally looking at their promised land. They can see Jericho, which becomes the first city to be captured. They can hear the sounds of the city. They can smell the aroma of the foods being cooked. Remember, they've been eating manna for 40 years. They've consecrated themselves. They've set themselves apart. They've prepared themselves. And now their destiny is right in front of them. But there's just one more thing that they have to do. Verse 2, at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. And so Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites. It reminds me of the story of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus. He said, what must I do to find eternal life? And Jesus said, you know the law, you know the prophets, do those things. Honor your parents, don't steal, honor God, all of the things. And the rich young ruler says, yeah, I've done all of those things. I've consecrated myself. And then he says, but there's one more thing. There's a cutting away that needs to take place. Go and sell all you have. Give it to the poor and come and follow me. That's the same kind of moment. that's They've consecrated themselves. God's done the miracles. They're doing the right things now after 40 years of being punished in the wilderness. God says one more thing. One more thing. Circumcise. In verse 8, same chapter, chapter 5, it says, And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in camp until they were healed. And then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the place has been called Gilgal to this day. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal, on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. I wonder how many of us are staring at our destiny. We're so close that we can see how beautiful it is. We can hear the sounds. We can hear the music being played and the hustle and bustle of the city. We can smell the aromas. We've spent time in the wilderness and now we've consecrated ourselves. We've set ourselves apart. We've prepared ourselves. We've won some battles. God has done some miracles. We've crossed some rivers, but one thing remains. We can't go in until we cut away that which is unnecessary. In order to accomplish All that God is calling us to do, there has to be a cutting away. There has to be a spiritual circumcision. Gilgal is the place 
of complete surrender and trust. We have to trust. We have to trust God with the knife. Gilgal is a place of vulnerability. There's no place more vulnerable than on the table of circumcision. See, we're often guilty of secret lives. We hide the things that need to be cut away. And while God is saying, I need you to be honest, I need you to stop hiding. See, we're content with repeating the same behavioral patterns as the father of humanity. We hide just like Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden. If you're not familiar, I'll read it quickly in Genesis chapter 3. They had just partaken of the fruit from the tree that God said, don't eat from. And verse 8, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. And so I hid. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And then the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Now here we are, thousands of years later, still responding in the same way. We hide our sin, not only from others, but also from God. We run away when God is the only one who can bring complete healing and forgiveness to our lives. But we have to be willing to open up our lives, to get on that circumcision table and let him see everything. Because God can't heal what we're unwilling to reveal. See, some of us are wondering why we can't be free from this sin or that sin. Until we're ready to come out of hiding and reveal all that we are, we will never receive complete freedom. Will it be easy? Absolutely not. Gilgal is a place of pain. Circumcision is painful. The cutting away process is painful. But Gilgal is also a place of healing. Look again at verse 8. After the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in camp until they were healed. Circumcision isn't the end. Cutting away that which isn't necessary is not the end. Breaking off the toxic relationship is not the end. Facing my past isn't the end. Forgiving my offender isn't the end. Facing my fear, as hard as those things are, those are not the end. Healing follows the cutting away. So many of us are struggling. We're battling. We're trying to get free. But complete healing and freedom cannot come until we first go through the cutting process. A lot of us are trying so hard to get to the next level. But God says you can't move to the next level until you're willing to be vulnerable. Until you're willing to be circumcised and go through the healing process, you can't move into the promised land until we complete this progression. Now watch verse 9. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you, and so the place has been called Gilgal to this day. Look, I know about, I talk about this a lot, but it's so important. Some of us are carrying shame from our sin. 
We carry shame from our past. We carry shame from our failures. And because of that, like Adam and Eve, we hide. We hide from others. We hide from God. We put on our masks and we carry on with life. All the while, underneath, we're hurting and broken, full of shame and humiliation. And the only way, see, the only way that I can control the shame is to hide the real me. But ironically, the only way I can get rid of all the shame is to reveal the real me. My shame, I don't want anybody to see. I don't want anybody to see the real me. So I hide it all, and that controls me. But the moment that I can release it to the Lord is the moment that I can find complete healing. But instead, we develop, and we've talked about this many times. I'm, never prob- I'm probably never going to stop talking about this. But instead of revealing our truth to God, we develop these ungodly beliefs about ourselves and about God. We begin to believe the lie from Satan that if they knew the real me, they would reject me. And the truth is, some people probably would. But is that worth staying bound? Is it worth staying in the wilderness? Is it worth watching everyone else go into the promised land and we're just, uh, I can't, I can't, I can't let it go. I don't want to be on the sideline. I don't want to be on the bank of the river watching everybody else go into their destiny simply because I won't reveal what's in my heart to the Lord. That's why authenticity is our first core value. And again, I know we talked about some of this last week. Everyday church has to be a place where people can take off their masks, a place where people can be themselves, a place where it's okay not to be okay. Why? Because we know from experience that healing comes in the vulnerability. I love that this is such a place where people can just be real. I love that when I'm meeting with people, they're just real. I don't know. Yeah, I think in older days it might have been a sign of disrespect, but I find it a place of honor. I went to see our first youth pastor that worked here was in the hospital in Inverness, and I went to see him, and I, I got out, and I parked in the clergy parking, and I have my laminated card that shows my credentials, and I don't know, I guess I had on ripped jeans or something, and the guy was yelling at me and said, you can't, that's for clergy. I'm like, I am clergy. What's your problem? <laughs> I love that when I sit down with people, this has happened. This happened multiple times, just recently even. And people, their raw emotion comes out, and their unfiltered words come out. When I say unfiltered, I don't mean Christian cuss words like "dag nabbit." <laughs> when I'm sitting across the table, there's a place of vulnerability and a place, a sense of safety to say it's okay for me to say exactly how I feel. I love that we're a place. Don't come up and cuss me out after service. I'm not. Into <laughs> I love that we're a place, and our relationships are such that people can just be authentic, because that's where healing takes place. It's in that authenticity. Healing comes when we stop hiding. Healing comes when we take down our masks and we get real with God. It's in that place of complete vulnerability that God takes the knife and he begins to cut away all that's necessary. Sin and shame and failure and rejection and insecurity and inadequacy and inferiority and comparison and jealousy. God wants to roll away all of the shame. 
Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the place has been called Gilgal to this day. Gilgal is a place of cutting away. Gilgal is a place of healing. healing. Gilgal literally means a wheel rolling. That's what the Hebrew word means. So Gilgal is a place of movement. It literally means a, a wheel rolling. See, this place of cutting away is the place that we fear because we, we just don't, I don't want to go through the pain. Nobody likes it. Nobody. Well, some, I mean, some of you might be crazy enough. You're like, oh, bring on the pain. <laughs> I'm like, no, thank you. I'm not interested in that. You've heard me share my story many times about going through a ministry called RTF. I say nobody likes that. I don't enjoy the pain, but I enjoy the freedom on the other side of it. Katie and I have both been, both been through this program multiple times, but the way we approach it is so different. She has to get very worked up for it and ready and like get in a position, and I'm just like, let's go. Like, all right, I got this issue in my life. Let's deal with it. I know it's going to be painful, but I know that the freedom on the other side will be worth the pain. So we don't like to face the pain. We don't like to face the past. We don't like to bring up the hurts. I don't like to relive the situations that caused the hurt. I don't like to do this. I don't like to do that. I don't want to face the embarrassment of saying, hey, this is what's going on in my life. I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I am doing this and I need to stop and I don't know how and I don't want you to reject me, but this is it. This is who I am. This is the real me. Like we don't, we don't want to face those things. We try to hide it from God as if he doesn't already know. So I want to come to the Lord and I want to open it all up. I step into that place on the circumcision table, knowing that this place of Gilgal is where God will roll away the reproach. And again, it's a place of movement. It's the place where I know my life will begin to move forward again. There are people in the room right now that your life seems to have stopped. You're not moving. The wheel's not rolling anymore. My encouragement to us is to look deep inside, look deep within and find out what areas are not consecrated? What do you, God, do you need to cut away? What do you need to cut away? What do you need to cut out of my life? Let me give you three takeaways. Again, we've talked about this multiple times, but it's very important. We can't skip this. Breakthrough begins with a clear word from God. We have to hear his voice. That's why I spent a, a portion on the front end talking about hearing his voice. God is always speaking. So we need to begin to pray for a heightened awareness of his presence. Listen for his voice and don't neglect the written word. Number two, breakthrough requires consecration. What areas of my life are compromised? What areas of my life are no different from those who are not Christ followers? When someone looks at my life or they do an inventory of my life, what's the difference? And again, I say that with humility because this is not a, I'm going to pit us against them. It's not what we do. I mean, Paul said, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the faith? I'm not looking at those outside the faith going, you shouldn't be and you shouldn't. That's what makes me so angry about all of the posting and all the craziness. And that's why I love what Pastor Brent said, right? If we're the one watching it, then don't get, you know what I mean? Just don't watch it. Don't. It's the opposite of what Paul said. I'm going to criticize the world. Paul says it's none of my business. They're going to, sinners are going to be sinners. 
I say that again, when I talk about sin, I talk about it from a place of humility because God knows I surely don't have it all together. I still mess up. I still lose my temper. I still say things I shouldn't. I still battle. This is not a, a look down on my nose. Well, at least I didn't do that. I, this, that's, not how, that's not how we can we don't We don't live our lives that way. It's, that's immaturity. And God has called us to raise above that. What areas of my life are compromised? I was praying on the way. Way to church, just asking God. I started off with God, show up. God, and I was like, God, okay, you're already going to be there. Help us to be aware of your presence. God, help me to sense you. Help me to know what you're doing. Help me to, to hear your voice. God, what is it in my life that's not consecrated? What is it in my life that needs to be cut away? So one, we need a word from God. Two, breakthrough requires consecration. Three, breakthrough requires a cutting away. What do I need to cut away? And remember that healing follows the cutting. And movement follows the healing. God wants to roll away our shame. And again, all of these are tied to number one. As we reflect about consecration, as we ask what needs to be cut away, we have to be aware of the voice of God because He's the one that's guiding the process. He's the one with the knife. And we have to be willing to respond, whatever that looks like. Quick pray just for a moment. A moment. Father, thank you. Thank you for being in our midst today. I pray, God, that I pray, God, that this message would impact us all in the way that you want it to impact us. Help us to be reflective, God, of the areas of our lives that are not consecrated. Help us to do a deep dive, an inventory of our lives to say, what is it in my life that's exactly like those who don't follow you? What is it in my life that you want me to get rid of so that I can begin to move again? That I can begin to move into my destiny. And I thank you for it. On behalf of Pastor Randy and the entire staff at Everyday Church, Jesus we'd like to thank you for joining us today. For more information on the church, please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz. Thank you.